it's hard to talk to people sometimes about what is a Christian because we get all kinds of crazy responses to that. On one side, it's just religious people who need to obey a bunch of rules and they feel like in their obedience they get God's favor. Nah, not so. Then we have those who are just so aggressive and they'll just use the word, but they'll just go do whatever they want. They are, they're angry, upset, ticked off, uh, no peace. And that's not a believer either. We have pacifists who believe that we do nothing. We just uh, accept whatever happens as God's will. And uh, that's why so many men don't like religion. Well, that doesn't make sense if God's given us an armor. And he says you've got a shield, you've got a, a breastplate, you've got a helmet, uh, you've got a belt holding your armor up, you've got a sword. I mean, you, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, if we're just going to be passive and run around and you get to kill me, slap me, steal from me, beat up my kids, well, but what in the world's the armor for? I should just be nothing. And so this balance and this understanding of who we are is absolutely crucial. You see, people don't realize that your beliefs determine your perceptions and your ability to understand something. And so many people don't realize is that we form beliefs by our own decisions or people who have raised us. They, they help us to form beliefs. And then these beliefs determine what we will listen to. So you determine your beliefs, you determine uh, all that you think. So these we call these heart beliefs. And then once you've determined your heart beliefs, your perceptions of life come through those beliefs. Also, your ability to understand the Word of God comes through those beliefs. We see that more than ever in the last couple of years as people form beliefs that differ from others, causes division, can't understand why people can't see my point of view and, and he can't see and I can't see his point of view. It's because beliefs of the heart are established and that doesn't mean they are right. It just means you form beliefs. These beliefs drop so powerfully into your heart that it will determine what you will listen to. How you look at a situation was determined by heart beliefs. Now, head beliefs, they'll come and go, add a little pain to someone's life, and they'll change beliefs just like that, which is another problem with Christians, is that, you know, as soon as they go through a hard time, they don't believe the Bible the same way. They want to change it. And so it's crucial for us that we understand that Holy Spirit was sent to this planet after, uh, and of course he was here, but he was sent in a new way after Jesus died on the cross. And the word says, Jesus said, he's here to lead you into all truth. This is where you should form your beliefs. Because if you form your beliefs on fallen men's opinions, religious opinions, when God tries to speak to you and guide you and it falls outside of your off-center beliefs, you won't hear him. 
So it's crucial. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that Holy Spirit searches the hearts. What is he doing? He is searching your heart to help you by removing beliefs. And he does it through teaching you the word. He removes deep, deep heart beliefs that have kept you in bondage. Deep, deep heart beliefs that don't allow you to even hear him guide you and lead you in an area because the area he's trying to guide you and lead you in is all locked up. It says in the word of God that these are called strongholds. These are imaginations. These are reasonings that go against the word of God. And that the weapons of your warfare are not to fight demons. They've been defeated. They are not to fight other people. They are literally to pull down the strongholds of reasonings that are in your heart. Because when your heart begins to believe true things. Now listen close to this. I'm going to help somebody today. I'm going to change your whole life. When you begin to allow the Word of God and Holy Spirit to change heart beliefs, what the heart was designed to do already will flow out of you in such power. It will come out of you with such ability. And, and this is where the, the believers today are so locked up is because their beliefs come from their natural mind, their parents, their religious upbringing, some evangelist on TV. And most often when they go through things, they begin to form the beliefs that drop into their heart. So your heart is where faith is. Here's another word that is so destroyed, it means nothing today in the church world. You know, I have faith. Oh, really, what's that? Well, I believe. Really, what's that? What do you believe in? Well, I believe in God. Now, the devil believes there's a God. He hasn't got faith. And people don't understand, and they think they do. Like, they don't understand that in the Old Testament, People who, are, who were uh, God's people, they believed in what God said to them or what a messenger brought to them or in the character of God. In the New Testament, people around Jesus believed what Jesus said to do. One word from him would say, come, and Peter would get out of a boat and walk on the water. One word, and he obeyed that one word. But today, there's something uniquely different about faith that people do not seem to get. And that is Jesus said that I'm going to go and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he is going to guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He is going after your heart. You become born again by Holy Spirit. And then he begins to cause your beliefs to begin to form around the name of Jesus. Now here's where I struggled for a lot of years. The name of Jesus. What does that mean? The name of Jesus. Well, as you begin to study the word of God, you begin to recognize that the name of Jesus is holding all that that person Jesus did. So today when a born-again believer who knows the word of God and begins to operate in faith says, in the name of Jesus, what you are saying, and you've got to understand this and believe this, is that Jesus died and he took my sins, he took my curses, I am qualified, I'm righteous. Not because of my own conduct or my inability to handle my own guilt, no. 
I am, I have every promise given to me because Jesus qualified me. So when I say in the name of Jesus, I am using an authority that is Jesus, but he's given it to me and I can command sickness and disease to go in my life. I can begin to declare the word of God. And you say, well, you can't declare that word of God. Who do you think you are? Oh, I'm not declaring it in Leon's name. I'm declaring it in Jesus' name. And so many of the, of the churches today have used this name so they don't understand it. That the finished work of the cross, when I use the name of Jesus, it means Holy Spirit is allowed to move on a situation because he's qualified me. The Bible teaches us that when your own heart condemns you, you don't receive anything from God. Yet it says in the same portion of scripture, there, 1 John, it says that, but, but God is greater than your heart that is condemning you. Why? Because when you focus on yourself, your heart condemns you. When you think you are able to see a miracle take place or pray over something and your eyes are on yourself, your heart will condemn you because it knows you are not perfect enough. And so people who, who walk in condemnation and who walk in guilt as born-again believers and can't seem to really begin to rise up and do amazing things for God, your eyes are on your fallible um, uh, life. But if you get your eyes on Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith, who has qualified you for every promise in the word, and as Jesus is, so are we in this world. This entire new beliefs that are here because of the cross turn you from a, a little fearful guy uh, or, or this arrogant, condescending person, and you learn to be meek. Now, the word meek for so many people is such a mess because, you know, when you think of meek, what's meek? A rabbit is meek. Harmless. You know, there's nothing really good about a rabbit. You could say, well, rabbits are so good. You don't know if they're good. They got no power to be bad. What's it going to do? You know, attack you and claw you up? Is it going to bite you and take off a leg? No. A rabbit is just, so you can't consider that meek. Meek is what Jesus calls himself. And Jesus said, nobody takes my life. I'll lay it down when I want to lay it down. John 10. Jesus could calm a storm with a word. They would try to kill him. He'd walk right through the entire crowd. Meek does not mean pathetically uh, somebody's slapping post. Well, it says turn the other cheek. Yeah, that's, it's talking here very clearly to how quickly you get offended. Oh, be at peace. Stay humble before God and, and stop this like, oh. and, and when you are, you begin to access the power that is within the heart. Faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. The gifts God put in you, no. The abilities that you have to use for God, no. When it comes to overcoming the world, it is brought down to a singular word, your faith. Where do you get this kind of faith? You get it from understanding the finished work of the cross. 
And so when I pray over something and I say in the name of Jesus, that word coming from my lips in my life explodes something deep within me is I'm qualified. I am to act like Jesus. I am to declare his word over situations. I am to know that his armor protects me and the sword of the spirit is the word is the word of God coming out of my mouth. In one name, just in the name of Jesus. That's what it means to me. Now, others, the name of Jesus is just a swear word, or it's just the way they end a prayer in the name of Jesus. But they have never taken the time to meditate and allow Holy Spirit to take the beliefs of your heart, these deep-set beliefs about who you are, who God is, and what you can do on this planet. And so they live this life with no prayers getting answered, no real miracles taking place, and, and so they change their doctrine. Well, whatever happens is God's will so we'll just work it out from there. No. Are, are we so naive that it's all God's problem and none of it is mine? Jesus repeatedly said to people, you know, oh, ye of little faith, what did you do with your faith? Uh, on and on when he spoke to his disciples. And so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this topic of faith is crucial that we are growing and developing by studying and spending time in God's word. In Proverbs 4.20, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now, he says, for they are life. The incredible Zoe kind of life that heals, that pulls down strongholds, that stops enemies, that overcomes everything in the world. And it brings health to your flesh. And then it says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You know, I love reading Westerns and I like Western movies. And whenever someone uh, was a law officer, a marshal, you know, or someone who had to protect themselves with a gun, they looked after that gun so well. Today, you'll notice when you get any kind of military training, you can assemble that in the dark. You can put it back together. You know where every piece, every spring, you can lay it out on the table. In fact, in many of the trainings around the world today, they blindfold you, make you put it all back together. They want it cleaned up. Why? The last thing you want when protecting yourself or trying to <clears throat> offensively take an important position is to click, click, and no boom. That's many Christians. It says here, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? Out of it flows the forces of life. Out of it flows the very miraculous power of God. But most people have not even had teaching on the heart. And so I really want to challenge you today. Make a decision that there is the head where your mind, your emotions, and your will are. With your, we call that all three, your soul. Your soul cannot contact God. You have a body. It's your earth suit, the house that you live in while on the planet. Your body cannot contact God. You have a spirit. Actually, you are a spirit. And with your spirit, you can contact God. And so, so much of the Bible teaching in the New Testament, the epistles, will teach you things like, don't be carnally minded, which simply means stop looking with your five senses for God to do something. Or, you know, if a dog 
you know, sings, O Canada, tonight at midnight, it'll be a sign from God as to what I'm to do. So you're looking for a sign. You're putting out fleeces, we call it, which is not a part of the new covenant. You might get away with that as a baby Christian for a few times. But you, if you are a child of God, you are to hear and know the voice of God. And he leads you so clearly by name. In other words, a very specific guidance in business, marriage, kids, home, uh, to protect you. He'll guide you in the affairs of a city, in the affairs of a, of a province, in the affairs of a country. His his his, his people are designed to rise up and be salt and light. But if we embrace this kind of meekness and we see meek as we're just rabbits, we just run around hoping some lion protects us and doesn't eat us, we're just meek. You've missed it. The word meek is literally your heart towards God in awe of him because the power of God flows from you as power, not by force. And I can teach you on that another time, but there's a difference between force and power. And Jesus said he was meek. Moses, the very first time the word meek appears in the Bible, said he was the meekest man on the earth. Moses wasn't a wimp. He got up and faced off Pharaoh. He got up and led a couple million Jews through the wilderness. He got up and spoke with God, you know, with a terror of dropping dead. He got up and faced country after country, and he was the meekest. Why is he meek? Because towards God, he was in awe. He was obedient. He was humble. He wanted his direction. He's the leader that said, if you don't go with me, I ain't going. If you're not before me, I'm, I'm not doing this on my own. I need you. You are the pillar of fire by night. You are the cloud by day. It is your presence that goes before me. It's my reward, re-reward, or my rear guard. This, this meekness is a, is a turning to God in knowing that God is on your side, that God is with you. It's not meaning that we just let whatever life throws at us take us out. I've debated with pastors who were complete pacifists, and, and our job is just to humbly submit to whatever an evil uh, person might do, an evil leader might do. And I'm going, you know, think this through. Someone breaks into your house and steals your kid. You're going to just passively go, oh, my child is gone. I will worship the Lord. <laughs> no, most of us guys' houses, you a dead man. totally wrong. Read your Bible. I don't, I'm going to get people upset with my message, but you know, <laughs> Jesus sent his disciples out one time and they said, well, okay, well, how do we go? He said, don't take money. Don't take an extra coat. Don't take a sword. Don't take anything. I'm going to provide for you. And you're going to find out the miraculous power of God. Then the second time he sends them out, he says, take a coat, take money and take a sword. And Peter goes, Here's two. That'll do, Jesus says. Now, swords weren't used to butter your toast. <laughs> swords weren't used to, uh, you know, just, I don't know. It's a sword. It is a weapon. There is so many things in the Word of God that until you begin to say, be open and say, God, guide me and lead me in your words so that I get a, a sense 
of who I am as a believer. And you need to know that God has called you to be more than an overcomer. He has called you to walk in faith and that this faith starts in the heart. Okay, then it comes from the, then it, then the mind is engaged and then the body is engaged, which is why we are to be meek. The meek shall inherit the earth is talking about your heart before God, walking in such peace, walking in such um, joy. This humility that just knows my physical body and my own reasoning and mind will never be enough to do what God has called me to do on this planet. And on a planet where there are two kingdoms, spirit kingdoms. Now, there's a couple hundred physical kingdoms, but only two spiritual kingdoms. And every leader on the planet falls into one of two kingdoms. Every person on the planet in one of two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness. And the Bible says that the leader there is always killing. He's always destroying. He's always stealing. Why? Because he's filled with hatred. You're not going to figure it out. So when you submit to that spirit, everything that you do will steal, kill, destroy. And Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And then everyone keeps thinking dot, dot, dot in heaven. Poor suckers. That doesn't even make sense. That's not even accurate. Okay? When we get to heaven, there's no enemy. So we on the planet are to be the salt, the light. We are to rise up victorious. If your doctrines as a believer is you're just a poor sucker who does nothing and just prays to God so that you can meekly submit to whatever goes on around you, you are reading just a few verses from the Bible that get you to kind of check out rather than recognize that you and I are to rise up and that we are to be leaders for God. And if we don't do that, then who will? Then we've got people who have end times craziness. You know, we are in the end times, yes. What does that mean? Well, before Christ was before times. After Christ is end times. Now, what does that mean? Well, some people mean it's going to be a world government, not even mentioned in the Bible. Others believe, well, Jesus is going to come rescue us because we're going to be so wimpy and pathetic and beat up and barely hanging on there. There's only going to be a remnant left. We're going to be on some little island shooting grouse with a shotgun, and, 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 and he's got to come rescue us because the big bad devil's so powerful. Yet Jesus said that he was destroyed by his power was taken away. All authority is given to him. Go make my enemies my footstool, and the church is still doesn't get it. That's when we get to heaven. So... I'm really going to challenge you today that get into God's Word and make sure the beliefs of your heart line up with the accuracy of the Word. And if you've been lied to by religious leaders, if you've developed doctrines, or maybe you've just never even heard any of this before, I want you to know that you have been designed to overcome on this planet. You've been designed to win. You've been designed with such wisdom that in Psalms 119, 97, 98, 99, it says he'll make you wiser than your teachers, wiser than people older than you, and wiser than your enemies. What's that about? That literally means the Spirit of God that is inside of a born-again believer isn't there just to make him a rabbit. He's there to make him a lion. That's why Jesus is called the rabbit of Judah. No, no, the poodle of Judah. 
No, the Lion of Judah. And so we must get back into the Word. And, and you need to understand, some of you are so fearful and you've been unable to really understand. And, and so many people today, man, the calls that I'm getting and the conversations that I'm having with people around the world, experts and, and doctors and scientists, who when I get done interviewing them or talking to them, when we go off camera, they just want to know that they're becoming spiritual. What does that mean? Because people are recognizing it's very apparent to the world now um, that the beliefs of people doesn't mean that it's true and that, you know, there's, there's evil out there. You can just see it. You, you are so naive. you got your head in the sand. If you can't see around this planet that men and women as evil leaders are being pushed by something that has dark intentions and it's killing, it's destroying. And we need leaders to rise up who have a sense of being good, being righteous. And when you pray, my time is up, so let's go this way as we close. When you pray, how do you pray? Are you begging, bugging, pleading God? Or do you take the word of God and do you begin to pray what the word says? I'll give you something that'll be a real blessing into your life this week. Take um, the book of Psalms, Psalms 37, read it and begin to pray it. You see, when the word of God begins to say the way things are, it requires you to believe it and to declare it. Uh, that's why when God sent the children of Israel into the promised land, he said, I've given it to you. Go fight it for it. What? What kind of giving is that? I've given it to you, go fight for it. Well, they went in, and with the incredible, amazing power of God, they would march around a city, and the walls would come down. It would be, it would be theirs. There's times God would do it all, and they would just see confusion come to the enemy, and they'd all kill each other off, and they just walked onto the field of battle for spoils. Other times, David, a shepherd boy, would walk onto the battlefield and, it, and he would do something, but it was his faith that made him stand strong and God brought deliverance through someone. The cool thing about God is that he leads you and he guides you through every situation in life. And so to, to spend time in the word, to, to let, let his word begin to um, replant your heart with proper beliefs and let Holy Spirit search your heart. He's not looking for sin, you dirty, rotten, good for nothing. But in a way he is because the Bible says that an evil heart of unbelief doesn't say that an evil heart is a stealing heart. It doesn't say an evil heart is an angry heart. It doesn't say an evil heart is a fornicating heart. Now we know those are sin. It says an evil heart of unbelief. It's, it's wild. So if we do not take our hearts and establish them in God's word and work with Holy Spirit as our helper to begin to begin to get through your mind as it's renewed, it gets into your heart, and you begin to hear and understand truth. Now he can guide you. Now you can perceive and sense things. Now you can grow amazingly because the stronghold uh, of belief that was an incorrect belief, I call them misbeliefs, 
is what stops the miraculous flow of God in our lives. But in Psalms 37, I'm, I'll go really quick. It just says, number verse 1, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Neither be envious against those who work unrighteousness. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. We are to be doing things. We're not just sitting around like a rabbit waiting to see what happens. Do good things. Build. Use wisdom. Build families and towns and, and get involved. The giftedness of, of some of us have government gifts and business gifts and leadership gifts and healthcare gifts and etc. We got to be rising up. And this righteousness on the inside of us causes us to do well. And then it says, trust, lean on, be confident in the Lord and do good. And you will dwell in the land and feed. Sure on his faithfulness and truly you shall be fed it goes on talking about delighting yourself in the Lord uh, building with God verse 11 says that the meek shall inherit the earth and right away people don't understand think well one day in the millennium the lion will lay down with the lamb that's all that it means actually that's not true um, the meek shall inherit the earth means this humility and meekness towards God knowing I need you but when you are on the inside of me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Like, so then in verse 13, it says, the Lord laughs at the wicked. He sees their own day of defeat is coming. The wicked draw the sword, bend their bows to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who walk upright, blameless in conduct and in conversation. The swords of the wicked shall enter their own hearts and their bows shall be broken. When you find things like this, rejoice and go, Father, I want to thank you right now. And then one, a naive person will say to me, well, we're supposed to walk in love. Okay, I totally agree. But what does that mean to you? To them it means do nothing at all. Well then, how will you help the marginalized and the hurting and those locked up and not fed and those who are not clothed? And Jesus says, as you've done this to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Psalms 37 is a great one to read for some of you who you just don't know where to turn because it just begins to talk about the success of the righteous and how all of those who are enemies will fall before you. That confusion takes them out. They fall into their own pits. They, that their own scheming takes them out. Like Haman who was hung on his own gallows as he tried to kill the entire uh, Jewish race. And so my, my challenge to you is get up and be joyful. Get up and recognize who you are in Christ and begin to take the word of God. It says the steps of a righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he falls, he'll never be cast down. For the Lord grasps his hand in support and upholds him. Verse 28, the Lord delights in justice. See, if he didn't delight in justice, then maybe we should just put up with whatever goes on because if it happens, it's God's will. What a ridiculous a doctrine. The Lord delights in justice and doesn't forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, every generation. But the offspring of the wicked, they're just cut off. In other words, wicked offspring who will continue in that evil or continue with all that stuff. Wait for and expect the Lord. Keep and heed his way. He's going to exalt you to inherit the land. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Not in the new covenant. Really? So the new covenant, Hebrew says, based on better promises, 
to do better things, more powerful things. Oh, but you can't really expect righteous cities, countries, people, leadership. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, where in the world do preachers get their doctrines? It says, wait for and expect, expect the Lord. Keep and heed his way. He'll exalt you to inherit the land. The wicked will be cut off and you'll see it. Verse 39, the salvation of the consistently righteous is of the Lord. He is their refuge, their secure stronghold in time of trouble. And the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they trust and take refuge in him. Now, one person can read that and just say, well, that's just passively do nothing. No, you've got to mix the teaching of God's word with other teachings of God's word. You can't just isolate a portion of scripture. And as you go through the word, you will notice that when God begins to move, he doesn't move without people involved. If that was the case, we could all be monks on a deserted island. And all we have to do is just, and when anything goes bad, we are just very ethereal. We just wait, and the armies of heaven just take them out and wipe them up, and God does things, and all we do is sit around and do nothing. No, you will find that God is always moving through leaders, moving through people, moving through you and I. And when we begin to understand that Holy Spirit is our helper, not our doer, the doer is you. To be a hearer of the word and not a doer, is to be deceived, James. Wow, what should we be doing? It's a good question. Ask yourself that as you spend time with God and get into the word. What should I be doing? Because faith without works is dead. And so let's get up and let's pray and speak the word of God. I encourage you to keep coming and dive into God's word. You know, when I teach something, I spend a ton of time on one message. And I challenge you to listen to it every day that week. Just listen to that teaching every day at least once. And ask Holy Spirit to teach you what is, God's, what, what is God breathed. What is something that comes from his word. And as you do, it begins to drop from some kind of a head knowledge into your heart. And all of a sudden, this faith begins to rise up. And the sword of the Spirit is the word of God coming out of your mouth. That's the very first thing you do in every sign of trouble. Even when it comes to building companies, even when it comes to building a town, a family, a nation, generations, you always start in the Spirit first. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God praying. Begin to speak the word of God and declare. Then he'll give you wisdom with your mind on what to do and how to do it. He'll guide you with your physical body if, in what you should be doing there. It starts spirit, soul, body. And that is why God is saying that you and I, the meek, shall inherit the earth. This stunning, phenomenal dependence on him. Because we know there's greater power flowing from our heart than there ever could be from our mind or our physical abilities and gifts. Man, the Bible is stunning. It's incredible. To you men who've been going like, man, this Bible is so feminine, it's hard to even believe. No, it's not. It's just the way people have taught it. And by the way, women aren't wimpy. They're warrior princesses, and they get as much done as men. Let's recognize we are children of God. Let's get up and pray and build like a wise master builder. Let's be the watchman on the wall. Let's make sure that we're just not some naive religious person just sitting around going, wow, whatever God's going to do, God's going to do. 
That's not in the Bible. Okay, it's just a way for people who don't want to study, learn, and grow to just kind of have one little doctrine that washes everything out. Father, I pray today that you would touch every one of us, that we would get excited. I pray that with this message today, something stirs in the depths of men here today and women and our teenagers and our kids, that we'll begin to follow after you. We'll want to learn the word of God so we know how to rise up. And Father, we are called to be leaders. We're called to be the head, which is leaders. We are the salt, which is we're the ones that preserve society. We are to be light. We're the ones that bring an illumination to truth to society and let your church rise up as never before. And Father, for those who are watching that don't know you, I pray right now they would turn themselves over to you. For those who are watching this message here in the auditorium or around the world, wherever you are, to be born again is absolutely crucial. Jesus said those exact words to a religious person. You must be born again. He'll never force himself into your life. He's waiting for you to ask him, to choose him, to believe on him. And if you'd like to have what Jesus did on the cross for you, then right now you simply need to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my life. I choose you. I'm following you from today and on. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Now you need to understand something. Your spirit, okay, isn't your emotions. And so as you get into God's word, faith comes from God's word. Learn it. Faith is not a feeling. It's, oh, I feel full of faith right now. That's not faith. That's just your excitement. Faith is a rock solid um, that comes from the word. So keep coming out to church. If you're in another city or, or, or nation, find a, a church that'll teach you who you are in Christ, the finished work of the cross. And let's begin to rise up as never before and see the miraculous take place in your marriage, your home, your finances, your life. And then let's build. Let's build families and homes and villages and cities where we rise up and build as wise master builders. And let's be watchmen on the wall and speak up with courage when we see things that are not godly uh, and not just think that silence is so golden.